So, um, guys, this week, this week during my devotion time, I was reading the first chapter of Luke. I'm kind of reading through the Bible again this year. And, and in the first chapter of Luke, there are two crazy stories, okay? Look, guys, when you read your Bible, you know, sometimes we, we, we read a story over again and we forget how amazing the story really is. We forget sometimes how, how absolutely astounding the story is. Well, there were two pretty amazing stories in Luke chapter number one. The first was the birth of John the Baptist, okay? The birth of John the Baptist to his priest dad, Zacharias, and to his wife, Elizabeth, who were both way too old to have children. How many in here would say they're way too old to have children? Miss Chantel, lift your hand, okay? <laughs> so, uh, so all of you in here that are way too old to have children, you can kind of relate to Zacharias and Elizabeth, okay? Look, guys, this was on par with, with Abraham and, 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 and his wife, Abraham and Sarah having a baby. I mean, it was like crazy. It was like literally they went from the prime timers, the joy fellowship, to the, to, the, to the birthing room. I mean, it was like, this not going to happen, okay? And uh, so it's a pretty amazing story of, of, of God bringing a child to this couple that, uh, that was way too old to have kids. And then right after that, we have the story of the virgin birth of Jesus Christ to his mother Mary. The what? Okay. Yes, the virgin birth. Okay. There was only one of those. Okay. There was only one of those. And it happened to Mary. God miraculously implanted that seed into Mary and she gave birth to to God's only son, Jesus. Well, sandwiched between those two amazing stories, okay? Uh, Two senior saints having a baby, a little teenager having a baby by the Holy Spirit, Sandwiched between those two amazing stories is one little scripture that when I read, something just leapt in my heart. And I believe that today, God wants to speak to you through this one portion of scripture, and he wants to to activate your faith. He wants to get you to believe him for some pretty amazing things. So if you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to Luke chapter number 1, verse number 37. Luke chapter 1. Verse number 37, it's one simple, small little scripture, but it says so very much. Let's read it. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Now, you see, the context of that is two senior saints, okay? Erwin and Judy Fobb had a baby. Okay? You know, Erwin, we've been celebrating your grandkids, your great-grandkids, right? Yeah, let me get that right. We've been dedicating your great-grandkids, and that's an exciting thing. But could you imagine one year from today, we're dedicating your new baby? No. Okay? You ought to see the look on Erwin's face. It's like, no. Okay? I don't know where you're going with this one, preacher. But that's the kind of thing that happened with John the Baptist. Then on top of that, a little teenage girl finds out that she is going to give birth to God's only son. So that's the two situations that this one verse is sandwiched between. Nothing, or with God rather, nothing shall be impossible. I want to pray with you today. And guys, I want that one simple scripture to get in our spirit today. Because you know what? If we can really get that spirit in our heart, I believe it'll change the way we live. I believe it'll change the way we pray. I believe it'll change the way we act. I believe it could change this church forever if we'll simply begin to believe, for with God, nothing shall be 
impossible. Let's pray. Lord, we just come to you right now, and I just thank you, Lord, for your promises and for your word. And I ask today, Lord God, that you would just help me to communicate this message like you communicated it to me. And I pray today that faith would be activated. Lord, I pray right now, Lord God, that you would touch our hearts, challenge us, and change us like only you can. It's in Jesus' name we call it done. And everybody would say, Amen. We're trying something different this morning. We're actually doing Facebook Live. So if you, uh, if you haven't liked the church Facebook yet, you need to do so. That's a great way for us to communicate with you. And, and then also, once we start doing that, if there's ever times that you're not able to make service, you'll get a little indicator that says Faith, uh, Lighthouse Community Church is going Facebook Live. So uh, hello to everybody out there on the Facebook. And, and, um, and enjoy the service. So Luke chapter number one, verse number 37, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. It doesn't take long to expound on this, on this verse. The first thing that jumps out at us is with God. You know, Art, I figured out that there are some things that are impossible for you or not. Okay. You know, if, uh, there was a day that I could get on the bench press and bench press 400 pounds, Fabian, wouldn't be today. Okay. If I got on it, we better have plenty of spotters. Okay. Because it ain't going to go well. That would be a nice Facebook video. Okay. Because with man, things are impossible. There are things that I cannot do. There are things that you cannot do, but with God, there's nothing he can't do. You see guys, our power, our ability is limited. God's power and ability is unlimited limited. And sometimes we forget about that. Sometimes we get so caught up in what we're going through. Sometimes we get so caught up in what's happening in our lives. Sometimes we get so distracted or so discouraged by by things that aren't working out on our behalf that we forget that God is still in control. And then it affects the way we live our lives. You see, guys, the way you live your lives can tell me if you believe yes or no, does God control things? If God's in total control, it changes the way you act. It changes the way you pray. It changes the way you talk. We need to be reminded that with God, that's the key ingredient. That's the ingredient that changes everything. That is the key. With God, nothing. Everybody say nothing. Nothing is impossible. You know, I spent a lot of time doing a deep, deep study on the word nothing. And you know what it came out to? No thing. Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. There is nothing that is impossible with God. There is no small thing, no big thing that he cannot do. Guys, sometimes we forget that he's God. You know, it's so difficult, I think, sometimes for our finite minds to, to grasp the infinite nature of God. Sometimes it's so difficult because we're so limited. We're so, we're so, um, we're, we're so at times powerless and, and we forget that we serve a God who's all powerful. We forget that he is for us and not against us. Look guys, I read the end of the book. We win. That should get somebody excited. For somebody who's struggling in their faith today, for somebody who's struggling in their body today, for somebody who woke up this morning, you're like, oh, I don't know if I can make it to church. I read the end of the book, we win. I read the end of the book, you're victorious, you're not a victim. I read the end of the book, this thing turns out pretty well for us as believers. But see, guys, we've got to realize that with God, nothing is impossible. Now, Jesus knew that sometimes we would be hard-headed. How many hard-heads we have in the house? I'm lifting my hand, okay? 
When I grew up, my nickname was Tete Dure. For those of you that know a little French, you know that means hardhead, okay? So that was my nickname, and it's why I love you so much. It's why you hardheads and, and me get along so well. We're all hardheaded, okay? But for us hardheads, sometimes we got to repeat ourselves. Any parents of teenagers ever had to repeat yourself? Miss Dawn, you ever had to repeat yourself? Nick, you ever had to reiterate something, okay? I, I know Ronnie and Danielle, you've never had to repeat yourself, okay? Just, Brianna thought that was hilarious, okay? That's the teenager in the house. But here's the deal, guys. We've all been there. We've all had to repeat ourselves. Sometimes we've had to do more than just repeat ourselves. We had to take their phone. It's amazing. When you take a teenager's phone, it changes everything, huh? Doesn't it? Okay? Some of you parents, that's all you needed to get out of this message. Take your teenager's phone. It'd be all right. Okay? But Matthew chapter number 19, verse number 26, Jesus reiterates the exact same thing that Luke said in chapter number 1. Matthew 19 and 26. Jesus said, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. You see, guys, we need to realize and we need to get it in our spirit that with God all things are possible. You know, sometimes, sometimes things don't go our way. But in spite of the way things go, we need to realize that God's word is true. You see, guys, when your experiences line up with the word of God, it's okay to stand on your experiences. But there are times that sometimes our experiences seemingly contradict the word of God. If that's the case, don't stand on those experiences. Continue to stand on the word of God. You see, guys, it's not how you feel. It's what the word says. Amen? And we need to realize that nothing is impossible with God. With man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. You see, guys, as I prayed and meditated on this scripture, the Lord gave me several areas that I believe we need to be reminded of the fact that nothing is impossible with God. So in prayer, I believe the Lord gave me these four different areas, and I want to share them with you. The first area is one that is so, uh, uh, so relevant because, again, Easter Sunday is just two weeks from today. That fact is you or your loved one can be saved. You see, guys, we need to be reminded that by, by, about that sometimes. By a show of hands, who here has an unsaved loved one? Lift your hands. If there is someone you care about, someone you, you know, someone you love that is not serving God today, would you lift their hand? Every hand in the house. Virtually every hand in the house. You see, guys, we need to be reminded that God can save that person. That God can touch that person. We just need to keep praying. We need to keep believing because Luke 1 and 37 is true. With God, nothing is impossible. Now, this is where this little card comes in. Everybody has one of these cards, right? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to begin to put down some of those loved ones' names on this card, okay? Now, here's what I want you to do with that, those names. I want you to pray for them, okay? Because some things only happen when we pray. You see, prayer changes things and it changes us. Let me say that again. Prayer changes things and it changes us, okay? So I want you to pray for these folks. But then if they live locally, I want you to invite them to church. Now, you see, guys, I'm not asking you to do something I haven't already done. This morning, I took one of these cards, and, and I put down several different people. I put down a, a, a guy that, uh, that I've coached with at Berwick High School. I put down a, another parent of a baseball player that I've been sitting next to and talking to him about church. And, and uh, I'm going to invite several members of the volunteer fire department and then, and then another young man. So I, I put down... 
I put down four names, but it's really five when you count a husband and a wife. And how many really is the fire department? I don't know. It's a bunch of folks, okay? So I put down my five, and I'm going to pray for them, and I'm going to pray for opportunities to invite them. And I want you to put down some of these loved ones. Because, guys, we have to... You see, only God can save a soul. How many believe that to be true? I mean, if you could save a soul, wouldn't you have already done it, okay? If you could want it enough for that child of yours to get saved, wouldn't they already be saved? If you could want it enough for that grandson to come into church, couldn't they, Valley, wouldn't they already have it? Absolutely. I know that lady could believe enough for it. But here's the deal. We have our part to play, and God has his part to play. God's part is saving them. Our part is doing the work to get them here. Our part is planting the seed. Our part is doing what God tells us to do. You see, guys, be it a spouse, be it a child, be it a friend, a co-worker, no one is beyond the reach of God's amazing grace. John 3.16 tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 10 and 13 tells us whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then one of my favorite scriptures, and it's actually at the bottom of this card. If you ever wondered what the will of God is concerning your loved one's salvation, I found it for you in 2 Peter 3 and 9. It's at the very bottom of this card. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but he's long-suffering. What does that mean? He's patient. Not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Why do I put that scripture on there? Because you need to be reminded of God's will. You know, guys, uh, an evangelist did this for us about 25 years ago. Well, 23 years ago. I was sitting in church, hadn't been saved but a few months. An evangelist came to town, and he did this very thing. And, and he didn't have a card like this. We just took a little scratchy, and I wrote down several different family members' names. And do you know what? I began to pray for them. I began to believe God for them. At that time, my mom and dad were on that list, aunts and uncles. And I had the privilege over the next 10 to 15 years to lead every one of those family members to Jesus. Now, why do I tell you that story? Do I tell you that story to brag on me? No, no, no. I do that to brag on God because God is faithful. Amen? When you continue to petition him, when you continue to ask him, when you continue to believe God for for other people's salvation, God hears that prayer and he wants to answer that prayer. Amen? So I'm going to ask you to take seriously this little example and, 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 and put down some names and pray for them and believe God for them and then do whatever God tells you to do. You see, guys, the Bible tells us some pretty amazing conversions to faith. Remember Saul to Paul? We talked about that last week. Saul, who was, who was persecuting churches, who was uh, imprisoning Christians, got transformed on the road to Damascus and ended up writing half the New Testament. Mary Magdalene, who was full of demons, that girl was something else, okay? You didn't want her at the paint and praise night. This lady was full of demons, went from that way to full of Jesus. Now, that's a pretty good change, huh? From full of demons to full of Jesus. Peter, big mouth Peter, just couldn't get his act together, man. Denied God, said, I'd never deny you, Jesus, and then couldn't even stand up to a little servant girl. But then got full of the Holy Ghost and preached a sermon and saw thousands say, man, that's turnaround. How about Matthew, a hated tax collector, all of a sudden was transformed by the power of God. You know, guys, um, I I just want to remind you, nobody is beyond the reach of God's love. 
I want to tell you a story. You might have heard it before if you've been here for a little while. I want to tell you about a story, a friend of mine named Frank. And, and I want to tell this story because some of our new people need to hear this story. And somebody who's believing for their husband's salvation needs to hear this story. We had a lady in the church. I knew some pastors. She loved Jesus. She loved God. She, she really, really loved, uh, loved everything about church. The only problem is her husband would never come. Now, part of the hang-up is this man, Frank, owned the bar. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know what you do for a living, but you probably don't own the bar. At least I don't know about it, okay? So, um, so you know, he kind of felt uncomfortable about going to church. Now, every now and then he'd come visit, like maybe on Easter. <laughs> That's why you invite people, or maybe something special. But I all of a sudden took a real liking to Frank, man. He was just, he was my pod. Now, I really liked that guy. Believe it or not, I actually used to go visit with him at his bar. In the mornings before it was open and we'd drink coffee, okay? Look, guys, it's okay to be friendly with lost folks, okay? So I'd go hang out with Frank and we, lo- we talked LSU. He loved LSU. We have that in common, okay? He also loved politics, okay? In fact, he once told me he would be my campaign director if I ever wanted to run for political office. In fact, he said, I'll guarantee you the Democrats vote, okay? He kind of figured as a preacher I could handle the conservatives, but I needed a little help with the Dems, okay? But I love Frank. We were great friends. And I remember one time we did a big outreach at our church called Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. Anybody ever heard of that? It's a cool production, and and, and it's kind of a just a real-life type thing. And I remember Frank came. Okay, he only came because his wife was an angel. Okay, she was all dressed in white, and she'd go, ah, it was kind of cool. Okay, but I remember Frank sitting on the back. Mr. Frank, you know why? Because his wife had prayed for him. His wife had believed for him. I did my part, and then God came to the part where he did what only he could do. You know what, guys? We led Frank to Jesus, and, and literally he did not miss a Sunday every Sunday until the Sunday that he went to heaven. In fact, it was during the 2009 football season, and the Saints had a pretty good year that year. Remember that year? Okay? And it was their last ball game, and and he wasn't at church that day because he was in the hospital. And if you remember, right toward the end of the season, the Saints played terrible. I mean, my goodness, it was terrible how bad they played. And and in fact, uh, it was during the game against Carolina that he passed away. And I was able to say at his funeral that Frank was so disgusted in the way the Saints played, he just said, I'd seen enough. Okay? But here's what else I was able to say at Frank's funeral. Though Frank didn't live his life like he should all of his years, at the end of his years, he made the most important decision any person could ever make. And guys, why do I tell you that story? Because some of you are believing God for somebody. Some of you have been believing God for a long, long time that loved one would be saved. And guys, I got to tell you that God doesn't love Frank or Leanna any more than he or any less than he loves you. So keep believing. Keep trusting. Do your part and watch God do his. Amen? You see, the very next amazing story of salvation could very well be your loved one. Why? Because nothing is impossible with God. What's the second area I believe the Lord wants us to be reminded of? Healing for you or your loved one. You see, guys, God is still in the healing business. It is his will for you to be healthy and whole in every area of our lives. My wife found this quote a few, a few years ago from John G. Lake, great healing evangelist. And this is what he said about healing. He said, when I saw for the first time by the word of God that sickness was not the will of God, everything in my nature rose up to defeat the will of the devil. 
You see, guys, we got to realize that it is God's will for us to be healthy. It is God's will for us to be whole. By a show of hands, how many in here have been healed by God in some form or fashion as a result of prayer? Look at this, guys. Every hand virtually up. Whether it was big, whether it was small, God is still in the healing business. That's why we believe in James 5 around here. You know that. It says, is any sick among you? Call for the leaders of the church and let them anoint you with all and pray the prayer of faith. We do that not to just fill in time. Not because the preacher can't preach an hour. Don't worry, I'm not going to do that today. Not because of those things, but because we believe in the power of prayer. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You see, guys, you got to believe that healing is for you. In order to experience healing from God, you must believe that Exodus 15, 26 is true. What does Exodus 15, 26 say? I am the God that healeth thee. He was telling his children of Israel that. I am the God who heals you. And he's saying that to us today. I am the God who heals you. You also have to believe the truth of Isaiah 53. Turn with me there. Isaiah chapter number 53. You see, guys, at, at the cross of Calvary, more happened than just your salvation. Jesus paid the price for our sins, yes. He bought us a, 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 an opportunity to have relationship with the Father in heaven. He, he did all those things. That's part of the atonement. But he also paid the price for our healing. Isaiah chapter number 53, you know this scripture, but I want to build your faith. Verse number four, surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was what? Wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and what? By his stripes we were healed. Guys, we got to believe that that's God's word. We got to believe that's just not preacher rhetoric. That is the word of God and it can become active and alive in your life. Amen? You got to believe that. But pastor, I've been sick a long time. Or the doctors say it's hopeless. You see, you must choose to believe Luke 1 and 37 more than what the doctors say or even how you may feel. Guys, remember, feelings, though very much real, can often betray you. Oh, I, I just don't feel it today. You see, guys, that's why we don't walk by feelings. We walk by what? Faith. Amen? Guys, it doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter what you're going through today. The Word of God is true. pastor friend of mine once said, it's our unbelief that blocks our blessings. Let me say that again. It's our unbelief that blocks our blessings. Guys, don't let unbelief cost you anymore. Don't let your lack of believing cost you anymore because God is still in the healing business. Amen? A third area I believe the Lord wants to speak to our hearts today that he's able to, to turn around is family restoration. You see, God is all about restoration. What is restoration defined as? The act of returning something to a normal or healthy condition. How many in here could use a little family restoration? Okay, there's some relationships that are strained. There's some issues in your family. That's all of us, guys, okay? You know, here's the amazing thing. We get to pick our friends, but we stuck with our family, ain't we? Okay? I mean, we got our family, okay? If you're wondering who's the black sheep in the family, you don't know. It might just be you, okay? But we all have family issues. We all have family dynamics that can be troublesome sometimes. Well, I got a promise for you. Turn with me to Joel chapter number 2. 
Joel chapter number 2, beginning in verse number 25. The prophet Joel is speaking to nation Israel. He's given them promises. And guys, whenever we see promises that are toward God's children, we can claim them as our own. And in Joel chapter number 2, the word says, And I will restore to you the years the locust hath eaten, the canker worm, the caterpillar, the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. And you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. And you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and I am the Lord your God and none else. And my people shall never be ashamed. See, this is a promise to Israel because of his great love for them. But God loves you and your family in a great way as well. He can and he desires to mend broken relationships, cause peace to reign in your family instead of turmoil, and restore everything the enemy has tried to steal from you and your family. How many want some of that? That's good stuff right there, huh? We could all use some of that kind of restoration. You see, much family restoration will come through forgiveness and reconciliation. Forgiveness and reconciliation. I'm not going to spend much time on forgiveness. I just want to simply remind you of the truth found in Colossians chapter number 3. Colossians chapter number 3, Paul reminded us how quickly we are supposed to forgive. In verse 13, Forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man hath a quarrel against you, even as Christ forgave you, you do so also. Just as quickly as Christ forgave you, you're supposed to forgive others. Let that sink in for a minute. (laughs) That doesn't mean you you get to pout for a little while. Doesn't mean you get to put your business on Facebook. Mara, are you working on that special? Okay. You know, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't mean you get to stew for a little while. And by the way, I'm just talking about me right now. Okay. I'm not talking about you. We're supposed to forgive just as quickly as Christ forgave us. Amen. Do you think that could change some things in your family? I believe it would. Also, not only forgiveness, but reconciliation. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, Paul talks about reconciliation. He starts with verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Christ Jesus and has given to us the ministry of what? Reconciliation. To wit that God which is in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing upon their trespasses upon them, hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now... Then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. For he hath made to him, he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And then verse number one of chapter six, we then as workers together with him. You see, guys, God has given each and every one of us the ministry of reconciliation. If God has come into your life, if he's changed your life, he wants you to change your family's life. You see, guys, you want, you want to know who the key is for your family being changed? Who is the key for your ch- family turning around? It's not that black sheep. It's not that big mouth uncle. It's you. You see, guys, we have no control over other people's actions, do we? But we have total control over our own. And if, if you're in Christ, you're a new creature. 
And now it's up to you to forgive. It's up to you to work with God doing the ministry of reconciliation. How many said they need some reconciliation in their family? You, my friend, are the key to making that happen. Amen? Work together with God to bring restoration to your family because nothing is impossible with God. And then the final point today, and it's kind of a catch-all. What, uh, what, what does God want to speak to your heart? What does he want to remind you that is not impossible for him to do? That special something that you've been believing God for. You see, guys, every one of us in here, we're believing God for something. Every one of us here during this faith walk, we're believing God for something. We're trusting God for something. Whatever that something is, God wants you to know this morning, it's not impossible. It's possible with him. Trust him. Trust and have faith in him to move in your life, to move on your behalf. Hebrews chapter number 1 talks a little bit about faith. Hebrews chapter number 11, verse number 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Well, pastor, I haven't seen it come to pass yet. Yeah, you have to have faith that it will come to pass. Verse number 6 tells us about the importance of faith. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. How many in here want to please God? That's an IQ question. That's just making sure you're still awake. Everybody in here, you should want to please God. The only way to do it is by faith. The only way to do it is to keep believing. You see, faith can open doors in your life that nothing else can. Faith can open doors in your life that nobody else can. Faith still moves mountains. It's what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 17. Matthew 17, Jesus was talking about moving mountains. He was talking about activating your faith in an awesome way. Matthew chapter number 17, verse number 19. It says, Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why couldn't we, we cast this out of him? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall be moved. And nothing, say nothing, and nothing shall be impossible for you. Howbeit this kind goeth out only by prayer and fasting. What have you been believing God for? What have you been trusting God for? Don't stop believing. Do your part. The Bible says faith without works is what? Dead. You need to pray. You need to even fast. You need to believe God. You need to get other people to agree with you. See, guys, we forget sometimes there's great power in the prayer of agreement. Great power. When me and Seth agree together as touching something, things change. Things change. We've got to keep believing. We've got to do our part, and God will do his part. Again, let me remind you of the truth of Luke 1 and 37. And Pastor Tommy, would you come? Nothing is impossible with God. What are you believing him for?